we're going to be back way before Sarah Koenig gets her stuff together with our latest serial installment because John Jones is doing something again that involves the police, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting actually not always easier from outside the cage. Occasionally it could be... uh, Yes, in this instance, (laughs) a little different. I don't want to, you know, shit all over the point we've been building for a while, but in this particular case, Merritt's shitting on John Jones. Raph, I'm going to start with, I believe you were training. No, you went to go see family. That's the mistake you made. (laughs) Never again. No, I, it's time we talk about this on the air, yeah, Mr. Okay. I'm responsible for knowing everything. You've built that reputation over years of knowing everything and shaming me for not knowing it. You take 30 minutes to look away from your phone and have dinner with your family, and what is the consequence for that? Apparently unprofessionalism, which <laughs> is fine, but... Uh, is that what- because, first of all, you knew by the time anyone knew anything more than a Twitter report, which is not – and let's – okay, let's start. Let's break it down. Mm-hmm. It starts – it comes out on Twitter that John Jones has – and it was all very cryptic – dropped from 187, rear-ended someone, traces of cocaine in the car, she's pregnant – and it, he ran from the scene. It just kind of keep cascading. I know that for Kevin, when you texted me this and you said, have you heard the John Jones rumors? I'm in the middle of talking about my, my great day with my family. <laughs> and I just looked out at my phone and I go, excuse me, everybody. Apparently, the internet decided I can't have nice things. I would never send it to you if, A, I thought it was complete bullshit. Yeah. I wouldn't have sent it. Absolutely. Or, B, it wasn't important. I would have never bothered you with something like that unless I was like, hey, because you would make fun of me if it weren't true. true. And I know that. Like, you would spend a lot of time berating me because I, I jump immediately. Like, if I see it as a headline, I'm in. What Nailed. you do need to know is right about this time, uh, I don't know if you ever have this issue come up, uh, but we had friends of family uh, come to visit us. So there were some new people I had never met before who had heard that I was an MMA fan. So I was in the middle of defending mixed martial arts. And so hold on, hold on. Are you, you haven't told me. He hasn't told me this. I have He's, not told you this, though. <laughs> so I was in the middle of saying, not like... not that bad. I don't think... I mean, it's a disciplined sport. Sorry. Like, yeah, you know, on. hey, I do jiu-jitsu. It's a really, really helpful to me and a lot of other people. And the sport has a lot of uh, athletic ability. There's a lot of strategy involved. Give me a second. I'm apparently being texted by my co-host. Let's see. Oh, yeah, this is uh, the guy I do the show with. Uh, Kevin is saying... Uh, okay. And the guy's like, well, you know, none of that really matters because some guy just gets caught with cocaine. And I go, well, funny you mentioned that because, uh, that same guy, uh, definitely got caught with cocaine again, allegedly. So at the time, uh, although it didn't turn out to be, uh, true on the cocaine aspect, uh, it definitely did not help my argument. Uh, in front of these people. So at which point I start looking through the headlines and I then uh, begrudgingly tell my family I cannot take several hours off. This is what happens when I step away from the internet for a couple hours. But I'm glad you sent it. So yes, uh, there was no cocaine. Let's go ahead and take that out. We later found out cocaine was not involved. It was just an easy thing. It's, it's probably something that you're uh, computer does, much cocaine. like spell check. Yeah, I was like, it says John Jones, it just goes cocaine. 
His <laughs> history is to blame here. Yes. He has history. So when, when it was known that narcotics were in, it was just assumed. And, you know, all's fair on that one. Hard Type to blame people for this. And the paper clip asks you, did you no, mean cocaine? You Obviously, well, you met John Jones cocaine. Um, so it, that's the story. But it turns out it was marijuana. Yes, which, uh, you know, is, is kind of lesser. Uh, it just depends on who you ask. If you're the uh, Nevada Athletic State Commission, uh, it's probably not the best thing to be caught with either. Less than cocaine, sure. Uh, if you ask us, uh, it's not great to be doing before a fight when you're about to be randomly drug tested. But, uh, yeah, okay. So, Kevin, uh, where did you now leave off after you had sent me the text? Because you were traveling. Right now you're over in Colorado, right? Speak of the speak of the weed devil. Yeah, I'm in Colorado. Yes. Uh, you're our, our weed correspondent. <laughs> Just, guys, I can report to you with 100% certainty, not everyone on weed gets into a fender bender and runs away. I can only say that from a lot of copious interviews here on the street. Yeah. Uh, frankly, I seem to be able, able to navigate the podcast, not words so great, but, you know, on some mile-high mint. So I'm doing great right now. Okay, so did you end up reading what uh, happened after you sent me that uh, tweet or text? I know that the arrest warrant went out. I did yep. see that, that there was an arrest warrant and that they couldn't find him. No. That's the last – and to me, it was just like, are we joking? Are we – we can't find him? Uh, okay, and I was just expecting to hear that he was in Brazil and deciding whether or not to come back. That's what I was expecting. Where that's, I, that's what I was hoping for, I guess. I thought it would have made a much better movie. Where I left off was I heard, okay, this is not great. So then I start looking up all the headlines. And the thing that really seemed to be bothering me that entire Sunday was, well, I hope obviously it's not true, but I haven't heard from any of his lawyers yet. Because normally that's the type of thing that you hope to hear, oh, my client was not involved, they were not here. Then you start to realize the distance between being a person of interest to possible suspect. And I don't know if you read this part, uh, Kevin, but uh, the police officer who identified John Jones was a UFC fan. First of all, we knew it was going to fuck him eventually. That beautiful face. God damn it. Go on. Uh, so the police officer, <laughs> he asked him, they're like, are you sure? Or how were you able to tell it was John Jones? He says, I watched the UFC. I know what John Jones looks like. <laughs> and to be fair, it is kind of a very unique look. So I guess the thing well, is Well, he's 6'6", really and yes. the most dangerous fucking man on the planet. Yes. So let's discuss what happens now is... He runs away from a hit and run after running a red light and getting into a collision, which happens to be a pregnant woman, which uh, terrible uh, to read, who at the time was reported to have no injuries, but I guess ended up kind of spraining her wrist a little bit. So uh, terrible to hear, obviously. But then John Jones flees the scene in a rental car, which also was a different red flag of its own, but in a rental car and then runs away. And then remembers, oh shit, there's cash. Yeeks! And then runs back to the car to get the cash. And then runs away. So it was definitely a hit and run with an athlete who can run very well. Would have been awesome if he had just like dropped 100 Gs on the trunk. Hey, John, next time this happens, 
Drop a hundred G's on the trunk. See if just nothing gets reported. That's yeah. my suggestion. Yeah. So that was interesting. And okay, Kevin. So right now it is what? What date is today, Kevin? It is April twenty eighth. April twenty eighth. Okay. So as of right now, they have still not called off the fight, even though he has turned himself in. He is now out on bail. So things may change by the time you hear this. But as of right now, they have still not called off the May fight. My question to you, Kevin. Yeah? Is that the right call? I th- uh, Raph, wrong question. I hate to do this. I hate to be the one to correct you. And I don't know if it's the weed that's given me the gumption. But I'm going to say, isn't the better question, does this mean it's possible John Jones fights Anthony Rumble Johnson in the confines of a state penitentiary? No. Let's Damn it! No, not even close, not even possible. You're saying under no circumstances does John Jones fight this behind bars? Because, dude, huge. The longest octagon? No, that doesn't work. We'll work on it. Those of you who'd like to send in hate mail, you can do so at philipskevin1 (laughs) on the Twitter. Uh, That is exactly who to direct that statement to. Uh, No, so I think that's hilarious, frankly. I can't believe they haven't canceled. They really haven't canceled the fight? They haven't pulled him from the card? No, they have not done anything of the sort. And to the UFC's credit, if you're Dana White and you're Saturday... To the UFC's credit, you postponed. You, it doesn't matter. You suspend him indefinitely further. Take a second and take the journey with me. Okay. The first thing that you think about is if you're Dana White and you can't even sell out half of an audience capacity in Canada who loves all of the MMA and then you have some pretty okay fights and then the next morning you wake up like, huh, I fucking made it out of that one. Wait, what the fuck did John Jones do this time? And then you realize... Well, shit. Now this is really coming back to bite me in the ass. And this is something I was talking about with somebody who I was walking them through it. And they said, you know, I wouldn't have pulled John Jones from that fight where they discovered he had cocaine going into that fight. He had pre-tested for it because what did it matter? And (laughs) I think my thing in response was, well, if you don't do it then, then guess what happens? That's a bad investment that's going to come back and bite you in the ass and now potentially can cost the UFC even more millions of dollars. And this is the organization that in their own public statement is saying, we support the fighter. And I think that's the interesting uh, language because if you support the fighter, at this point you need to pull him out of there because something's not right with John Jones. I'm confused on where you fell. You argued both sides of that really well. Is it good for the UFC to keep him on the card right now? Because that's the part where I'm like, I think you made an argument for it, and I didn't. I don't fully understand the argument for that. You mean you're trying to figure out why I would say to keep him on the card? I'm saying what possible argument could they have for not have had it being done it yet? Well, you know, we're, we're trying to get our facts straight here. <laughs> we're, you know. They're so lucky they're not Roger Goodell right now. Because he would be getting destroyed. Rightfully so, but still. Like, this is one of those... Come on, I know it's a lot of money, Dana, but he's going to fight for you again. Just suspend him right now for his own good. Like, what do you mean? Crazy. And uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson has the right approach right now and says that he doesn't mind waiting like Vitor did for his title shot. 
uh, says that he'd rather, you know, anytime John Jones is better, all of that good stuff, he will still continue to train because that's what he does. And uh, that if he has to fight somebody else, he will. But if you're him, you've got to be at that point where you're saying, no, I'm not going to fight anybody because I saw what happens to to Gustafsson. I was what happened to Gustafsson. Gustafsson. I don't want someone like me to come along and take that away from me. So I'm just going to chill, guys. He would never say that, but that's exactly what he's afraid of. I was that guy. I did it, and I am not going to get knocked out by some asshole because it's strong. secret. I was that guy. I know what it's like. There's another me out there just as hungry now, if not so, more. Tentatively, big winner, Anthony Rumble Johnson. Big loser, John Jones. Well, I don't know that there was really a deep competition for loser between John Jones. And uh, I'll say this, and I said it the last time. The last time this happened with the cocaine thing, it was it was terrible. And it wasn't like the DUI wasn't a red flag in retrospect. But, you know, I, I think we're at this stage now where – it's fine to kind of do the jokes and whatever, but something's not right with him in a way that I don't know, man. I, I don't know what his trajectory is, but I will tell you this. If I'm a media strategist, I want a sincere apology from John Jones this time. If he is really, really committed to getting better, I would highly encourage him that more than one day of rehab may be needed this time. Two, three. What do you think? I don't not, know. Not like- I mean, it's 300% more rehab. That's just days. (laughs) It's three days. So I don't know. I I think it's got to be a good faith effort by both the UFC and for John Jones and for his own health. I'm I'm not even talking about the fighter. He's a great fighter. And I I think there's very little that can disrupt uh, his record. But I think we're at a point now where it's dangerous what could be happening to him. So I I do wish him the best. it's just terrible to read. That's the worst part about getting sent this. Yeah, of course. I'm slightly perturbed. I didn't see it right away. Uh, yeah, it sucks that it's kind of another uh, red flag. But now we're just at that part where it's not even funny anymore. It's just this guy who's troubled and uh, it's fucked up. So let's hope the best for John Jones. Let's let's leave it at that. I completely agree. And frankly, as you said, you saw this coming. I didn't. I thought he was just sort of working out some young oats. But we hope the best because, you know, he seems uh, – hopefully this is the that moment. This isn't that one that we're like, oh, we should have for sure stopped him there. And this is the last time we get there. Because yeah. for history, it's just fucking behave while you're making millions of dollars. Like that's my only – it just – okay. Let's yeah. get better, John Jones. Let's hope we don't have to come back – with a serial podcast. Oh, God. <laughs> so, let's... With a collect call from... Ref, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you have a collect call from... Ref Esparza. <laughs> do you have Oh, perfect. Yeah. I played that, uh, you know, for Kelly, because yeah. in hindsight, uh, Kevin and I did a serial podcast uh, mockumentary opening... When the cocaine thing happened, because we thought, okay, that's kind of timely and kind of funny. And then Kevin texts me and goes, we apparently did that a little too early. So, yeah. Anyway, we've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about it. So, um, No guarantees. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we're bringing back our friend uh, Dan Hubler from uh, Nawaza and from Dream Jiu-Jitsu to recap all of the fights that t- took place in an half-empty auditorium over in Quebec, Canada. And then we are going to talk to our good friend Joe Schilling. I'm excited about this because I swear, like, Joe Schilling feels like quietly one of the most violent people on the planet to me just from watching him fight. He's super violent, and he he walks the walk. You know, he's he's maybe one of the most dangerous friends we know, Kevin. Well, let's get to talking to him. Sounds good. Verbal tap fans, fresh off a less than definitive split decision loss at Bellator one thirty six. We have friend of the podcast, and as my friends describe him, uh, they think you look like a striking robot. They were like, that looks like what you would design if he weren't completely man, and I'm like, yes, I agree. Joe Schilling. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? <laughs> Is that the first time you've been compared to like what a striking robot would look like? Because I've always thought that's exactly... Yeah, I was like, is that insulting me, or is that a good no. thing? Like, okay, design that's... a robot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't some <laughs> random robot, Joe. This is put into a lab. Yeah. It's very it's high-tech okay. stuff. Uh, My robot shit, huh? Exactly. Okay. I robot 3, starring Joe Schilling. Look for it this coming December for a movie for the holidays. How goes training? Um, obviously, you returned to Bellator, so you're back in the MMA world, which all of us are thankful for. Um, your opponent obviously spent a lot of time trying to lay on you during most of the fight at the last mm-hmm. one, which is understandable. You do hit very hard. How goes training? Talk to us about Bellator 136 and uh, returning to the MMA scene. Uh, returning to the MMA scene has been fun. You know, it's... Uh... It's been a lot of fun uh, working on all the different aspects and improving uh, as much as I can. Uh, the last fight was kind of not a not a very good one. I don't think uh, you know. I still think I won the fight, in my opinion. But you know, obviously, there's things I need to work on. I can't really. I don't know. I think it's a uh, it's a girly way to win a fight. You know, you win a fight by your goal is to stop the other person from fighting. It's not to actually beat them. It's just to stop them from fighting. Uh, I can't continue to use that excuse. You know, I don't want to be that guy. It's like, oh, he just held me down the whole time. I got to improve so that I can't do that anymore. So that's what I'm, that's my, uh, what I'm working on now is stopping these guys from being able to lay and pray and hug me to death. So, Joe, I've never broken anyone's jaw. Um, yeah. You, you have. And uh, what does it feel like to break somebody's jaw and then still be told that you lost a fight? Because I feel that must be somewhat frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, you know, all of it was pretty frustrating. And a part of me is like, you know, it's the judge's fault. Like, whoever the judge that said it was 30-27 for the other person, you know, I want to blame them, but at the same time, it's like, yeah. maybe that's the way the MMA scoring system works No, it's not. Let's go ahead and blame them. 30-27? Yeah, well, no. You got to, let's ridicule people when they're wrong. That's yeah. ridiculous. Um, and I don't even know about scoring. Raph can attest to that. That's crazy. That's right. I was, I was pretty... I was pretty upset at the end because, like, you know, I have a responsibility to do my job, and if I don't do my job, there's consequences. But it seems like for the athletic commissions, you know, there's no consequences when they screw up or they don't do their job correctly. And it's just uh, frustrating to uh, say the least. But, you know, well, I can't do anything about that. All I can do is uh, train harder and make it so that these guys can't 
chicken shit way a victory out of me ever again. So that's my mindset right now. So, Joe, I don't know what the mentality was. Was there any responses that you got back from, like, people at Bellator or, you know, other people uh, just in terms of what they saw the fight as? Um, everybody asked what they thought I won. Um, you know, the, uh, the Bellator people just said they're still really pleased with my performance and that I didn't lose any status or whatever by it. And, you know, it is what it is. Everybody, all your friends are going to tell you you won even if you got your ass kicked. So it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, it doesn't really mean as much. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know, I look at the fight, and I'm not proud of it. I should have been in better shape. I uh, should have had a better game plan for what is now so obvious that that's what everybody's going to try to do when they fight me, you know. So, yeah, it is what it is. I should have done better, but I still think I did more than enough to win the fight. But let's talk a little bit about what we saw as a major improvement. Kevin and I saw some great defense just in terms of jiu-jitsu, which what, last time we checked in, you know, you weren't uh, the world's most confident person about your own jiu-jitsu, but you, for us, I mean, you were doing high-level shit. So how did you feel about that, and how did you go about, like, uh, making improvements on, on, like, filling out all of your game? Beautiful Kimura escape. When he was trying to Americana. Um, yeah, I never really felt like I was in that much trouble with that uh, when he had me in the Kimura. And I felt really confident, comfortable on the ground. It's just, uh, you know... I did get tired, and uh, I'm really not used to, I guess, uh, fighting on the ground where, you know, there's a different energy system, and I was more tired than I, I should have been. But, uh, yeah, as far as jiu-jitsu goes, I, you know, I've worked, worked with really high-level guys, and I feel comfortable um, on my back and in those positions. I just need to get better at a – there was a couple opportunities where – I made space and I should have been able to pop up and I was just too tired and not, not able to do that. So, you know, I, I look at it as a loss that I need to learn from and I always do. So you know, I'm still, whether anybody tells me I won the fight or I did great or whatnot, I'm just seeing all the things that I did well and that's what's going to make me better next time. May I offer a submission game focus and remember that it comes with absolutely no expertise in MMA whatsoever. Okay. I think you work your heel hook game viciously and here's why yeah people get scared of the heel hook so if you heel hook the shit out of a few people all of a sudden it's like well i don't really want to go on the ground and uh just based off of the way you were taunting carvalho i'm guessing you're not really worried about anyone in the division stand-up wise that's my guess yeah no and really uh yeah i'm not really concerned about anybody stand-up wise um Obviously, I mean, he was saying before the fight that he was a better striker than me and he was going to knock me out and the fight was going to be stand-up. I'm sure um, he was. Even when he was saying it, I was like, he's full of shit, but I should have had a better game plan for what it was. And when I was taunting him, it was me trying to get him to, to throw. I wanted to get him to throw some, like, some punches so that I could counter and do what I wanted to do, but he was just, uh, you know, when we would get into exchanges, I would win the exchanges. But when he would just run forward, hold on, he ended up in that clinch. So, um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily like taunting him to. I guess I was taunting him, trying to get him to throw. But uh, it was. Serious. I mean, we understood why. You seemed you get yeah. you showed the chin. You did full chin show. Yeah. It's like uh, we understand what yeah. that means. Plus, it's good. We like the showmanship. <laughs> and and so, to, yeah. to be fair, maybe in Brazil, uh, knockouts mean just like smother you on the mat. So. It could just be a loss right. in translation. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, speaking 
Speaking of, uh, yeah, I know what you're gonna say. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, well, say it if you think you know. What I'm gonna say I was actually I had something maybe different in mind. But go ahead. Uh, well, I was gonna say that there was a you know there was a lot of talking going on between me. Well, I was talking a lot in the ring, and uh, Jimmy Smith had, had said something about. I wonder if he knows that he doesn't speak English, and I can uh, attest that he knew exactly what I was saying and responded <laughs> in English just perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he doesn't speak English. Oh, he speaks English when he needs to. He speaks English just fine. Yeah, yeah. I spoke a little Spanish as well, just to make sure. He, he knew exactly what I was saying. There was no, there was no doubt. Because, uh, you know, very... like, it's like, kind of like Spanish, right? Like, it translates a little bit. Joe, you may be onto something. I hope that you have a little bit for each fighter in every different uh, region and every different language, oh, that's so you learn idea. just just a little bit, just so you can get under their skin. Uh, speaking of people who uh, potentially uh, may need some better help with their wording, English, and logic, uh, you were also challenged on the internet after your fight. Um, by the internet is telling me he was a fighter once. I don't know if I remember who was it and what were they uh, doing. Uh, his name was not important, and uh, he was just trying to make uh, noise. I guess I don't know. It actually worked out. Of, yeah, I used to do like Facebook therapy when I was pissed off and stuff, and I would just go off on Facebook and then I would delete it later. Yeah. And uh, now, I've, now I discovered Twitter therapy, and that third thing is name not important. Is um was really good. It was really good for me. I mean, I really had a great time. The first night when he called me out and started saying the nonsense, I was, it was the night of my fight and I was drunk as hell in a club and all of us around the table were just laughing hysterically at all of my responses. And when I woke up the next day, hung over, I looked at my phone and I was laughing hysterically again at all the stuff I had said the night before, which was, uh, I realized I'm a pretty witty, witty guy on Twitter. <laughs> Not a lot of people find that after they've been drinking. <laughs> Usually, like you wake up the next day hungover, you're like, "Oh God, what did I say in that text message I sent last night?" No, I was I was laughing hysterically. I I was really impressed with the uh, stuff that came out of my off my fingertips. I guess. Yeah, so, so he uh, he he you know said some stupid shit, wanting to uh, try to bait me into fighting him or whatever, and. Uh, um, at first it was just like annoying and I ignored it and it kept going and going and going and I realized that, you know, well, Glory had a fight in three weeks from that day and I hadn't had any, any really even been in a fight that night because I just got hugged for three rounds. So, we were going to ask you, know, you about that, what, the Glory fight. Yeah, you want fight? Yeah. So I was like, you know, if, if uh, not important wanted to fight me so bad, then, uh, you know, I hit up Glory and I was like, hey, you want to have this fight with this guy not important? And, um, they were like, yeah, sure, we'll do it if you want. So I said, okay, if you want to fight me so bad, fight me in three weeks for glory. And, you know, he wanted a full training camp and a bunch of uh, other demands, like not fighting under an athletic commission. I wanted to fight overseas. And I uh, I said, you know, this is your one shot. You want to fight me in three weeks' notice. Let's go. You know, I'll fight you in three weeks. And uh, he turned down the fight. So, you know, he goes back to being not important. So let's recap. If you are going to call out Joe Schilling, which I'm going to, laugh, this is good coaching. I was I, just about to do that at the I, end of the podcast, I so go ahead. You. I, no, I, I mean, come on. Let's, uh... um, so you're going to call out Joe Schilling. Then Joe Schilling is going to get the better of you while drinking and having uh, a good time up in the club. And then right. still find the time to – I think this is the most fascinating part. Right. 
Call up the people at Glory and say, you guys want me to fight? And then you go, yeah, yes. Who? And then uh, they just say, oh, yeah, that guy. And all of a sudden, uh, it just comes out that, yes, Glory confirms he did turn down your fight. And suddenly, not important, is uh, a little more quiet for some strange reason. Uh, awkward, huh? Weird. Mm-hmm. Funny how it works out. I mean, the yeah. thing is, like, uh, you know, if you want to call me out, you know, on the internet, and, and then you should be ready to fight me like right then, because, you know, if you called me out walking down the street, you should be ready to fight right now. You don't pick a fight with somebody and say, okay, meet me here in, in eight, eight to ten weeks, and we'll, uh, we'll settle this, you know? So, uh, yeah, if you want to fight me, I gave you the opportunity. He didn't want to do it, and... Uh, yeah, it worked out well. It was uh, pretty entertaining for the weekend for a lot of people on Twitter, I think. And I got I got a couple thousand more followers, and you know, it was really fun making fun of uh, Phil. It's kind of funny because it, yeah, Phil. I like the the drop in is the best in case people weren't sure who would be silly enough to talk shit to you like that. I think the funniest part to me is it almost sounds like the Kevin Hart meme of like I would fight you, but see the way my bank system yeah. is uh, structured yeah, is totally. The way my training camp set up, I uh, can't fight you. Can't fight you in California. I can only fight you in Europe. Yeah, well. <laughs> and we're also gonna bring this full circle and talk a little boxing. This is. Right. I'm actually excited about this. So, Raf and I reluctantly admit. Joe Schilling knows a little bit more than us about Just striking. A little bit more. Let's be very specific. Just like a little. Not a lot. Slightly. Not a lot more. Slightly. 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 Yeah. Just a little yeah. bit. If so we. If just if we're being honest, which we rarely are, so we thought we'd ask him some opinions, especially as someone, one of the few people that um, speaks speaks the striking world much more. Trains like you. You have a great background in Muay Thai. He's also trained kickboxing, trained boxing, and trains MMA. So he can kind of explain it to someone like me, who's a layman's. So could you two put it in historical context? Why Pacquiao versus Mayweather is huge? Now I agree it's huge, and I'm excited. I just don't know why I'm excited. That's a really good. I like the way you asked that question. Historically based, why it's important? I don't. I don't really know. I mean, it's, they're both like world champions at the same weight division. That are, you know, have huge following. But I don't think it's like a historical reason. I think it's just a, it's a fight that everybody has wanted and talked about for the last ten years, five years for sure. And uh, there's just so much hype behind it. And then both of them being such superstars in that weight division and, uh, and in the sport, I think is what makes it such a huge fight. Uh, I don't know if there's any like historical reasons behind it, but it's the biggest money fight of all time, and it has the biggest hype behind it. I think. Yeah, Joe. I mean, it's only being called the fight of the century. So, <laughs> good luck to you on finding something that's going to beat the century. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess the thing is, are you at all excited about this? Because you mentioned people have been talking about this forever. Uh, is it just less that we're excited about it? Or are we just kind of at a point where we still have? this fascination to want to see them fight, even if they are older? I mean, where are you at with it? Oh, I, I think the fight is still just as interesting. I mean, a lot of people say, like, oh, it was, you know, it would have mattered three years ago or something before Pacquiao got knocked out. But, I, I mean, I'm still really interested to see what happens. Um, my only negative about it is I'm, I'm consciously afraid that it's not going to live up to all the hype. I'm waiting for the disappointment, like a headbutt or something, a weird decision. You know, it's... Uh, it's so rare that a fight like that would ever materialize into the, you know, to meet all the hype that's behind it. I will tell you and Kevin this right now. Uh, 
and I haven't mentioned this to Kevin yet. I actually, yesterday, uh, in apparently a dream, went to sleep, knocked out, dreamt that I went to my buddy's place to go watch the fight, and that when I got there, with food in hand, it was over within 10 seconds, and uh, Mayweather won. <laughs> and that I was just standing there holding food, and everybody started exiting. So, I don't know if that's foretelling of anything, or if uh, I, I have the gift, but uh, Kevin, what is your prediction for the fight? I feel so I saw Money Mayweather once in Vegas. He was getting what he called some scratch for the table. It was two million dollars in cash. He had nothing but money jackets. That type of bravada is for sure gonna win over someone that's um like uh, some of the Manny Pacquiao commercials have been absurd. So I've got to go with Mayweather just because I've 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 seen the machismo. I've seen it. Joe, where are you at on it? You actually having real insight and not having weird dreams or the <laughs> ability to see uh, who won Mayweather. in your dream? Ref? Who won in your dream? I, I was very clear. I told you Mayweather won in. My oh, okay, dream. okay, okay, okay. I was just making sure. I was making sure. Okay. Uh, do you have some sort of actual insight, Joe, uh, to counter? The nonsense of myself and Kevin. Yeah, see, it's I'm a more, I'm a weird fight fan. Like I'm not I'm a fight fan that like it annoys me when people always go for the favorite and they feel like overly you know Mayweather fans when he's fighting a guy they know he's gonna you know win. So like I have two sides to this. Like, what do I think will happen or what do I want to happen? What I think will happen is Mayweather wins a decision and it's really I think that. Realistically, I think that Mayweather will get hit more than we have ever seen him get hit before. But I think that he still wins a decision, and I think that it's going to be almost impossible for Mayweather to lose a decision in Nevada. I just think he has too much um, clout and too much uh, get too much pull in Nevada. I don't think any judges will go against him. You know, it's a close fight, and I think. Uh, I think that Pacquiao will hit him more often than he's been hit before, but I think that Mayweather will also show more power than he's ever showed before because I think that um, the way that Manny attacks, he rushes in a lot, and when he gets hit, he's, he's running into shots. And I think that Mayweather's speed uh, could be an issue with that. I could see Mayweather, I could see Mayweather even knocking down Pacquiao with a uh, uh, a right hand, a counter to uh, Pacquiao lunging in. But I think if it goes to a decision, if Mayweather pulls, it wins the decision, and it's kind of a lackluster fight. And then, you know, Manny Pacquiao does what Manny Pacquiao usually does, and it's going to be a really exciting fight. And hopefully, uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Pacquiao knock him out, but I, if I was a betting man, I'd say Mayweather by decision. Okay. I like that. I like the picking what you want to have happen versus what you think is going to happen. I would like a finish. Right. That would be, right. uh, that would just be nice. And that does not seem right. to happen often in boxing. Well, not in Mayweather boxing, that's for sure. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know, you see, uh, it's been some really good uh, super middleweight fights right now. PBC this past weekend was really good. You guys been following that at all? The uh, boxing promotion on Spike TV, Premier Boxing. Uh, no, but uh, I will say thank you for reminding us. Uh, it sounded like a commercial just found its way onto our show. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know. Oh, we did get paid for it. I'm Spike TV's boy. You gotta know. I'm gonna I'm gonna run commercials every time I'm on here. Spike hey, TV. Spike. whatever gets you paid, that's fine. <laughs> if you could very sweetly check out Friday Night Lights on Spike. 
All the best fighters in the world fight Friday night on Spike. Oh I love that you're reading the, the exact perfect copy for each one of them. Are you also going to tell us about Lip Sync Battle as well? There's a big glory fight this coming weekend uh, in, uh, in San Diego. There'll be uh, Simon Marcus and Alex 11, two guys that I've defeated fighting for the belt that should be mine uh, this coming Saturday. On uh, And... Tune in to watch it because they're going to need all the ratings because I'm not on it. So everybody make sure you watch it. I'll probably be in the audience. You can check it out. It's going to see me wave. And it's going to be really interesting to see who wins my belt. <laughs> you know, with this fight, hey, in the weeks, the weeks to follow, there'll be a, a battle for a middle <laughs> battle of defense between Brandon Hazlitt and Kevin uh, Grove. It's going to be another great fight. All, all three of which events will be on Friday night on Spike. Thank you. You know, when this fight game is all said and done for you, Joe, I really think there's a future in you being the fight equivalent of a TV guide channel, walking you through all of the upcoming fights for the next month. And, Great bit. Yeah. And in relation to what you are to each of those fights, hey, I'm not in this fight, but I've beaten both of these guys, just so you should know. Um, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll produce it and we'll make it work. Uh, Joe, if you would be so oh. kind, we actually had some people uh, give us some of their predictions, and uh, we'd love to get your okay. insight uh, to see what you think. Do you think they'll happen, or do you think they're nonsense? So are, are you cool with taking a few of them? Yeah, of course. Great. Uh, we had one person uh, chime in and said uh, their prediction was that there would be the reemergence of Tupac at the end of this fight. Oh, Probably. Seems prudent, but Joe, sorry, you're the expert here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that could happen. You know, that's something I want to see happen. The probability is not as good. Yeah. <laughs> Again, <laughs> would like to see Pacquiao with Tupac at the after party. Just not sure it's realistic. Yeah. Fair, fair. <laughs> not, not yeah. Our thanks to Mike Stallings for that question. Let's go to our next one. Our next question, uh, or our next response, I believe, comes from Marlon. Amir Masingo, and it says Pacquiao will win by a knockout. Singing performance of his next hit album. Ooh. Huh. Wow. Yeah, Pacquiao might win by knockout. That's possible. I don't know about the, the rest of it. You well, know, the rest of it's a lock. If he wins by knockout, he's for sure going to break out in song to celebrate. Totally. I bet you, uh, here's a better prediction. If he wins by knockout, the first thing he will do is he will like to prank all his Filipino pants. Sure. <laughs> That's wow. I, I hope there's betting money, and I hope you find a fool who's uh, <laughs> stupid enough to take that bet, Joe. Uh, okay. Here's one. I like to thank all the Filipino fans. Joe, can you, when you win your next fight, can you also thank all the Filipino fans? Because <laughs> I, I feel like you might as well just inherit and become the next Pacquiao. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's the way way, If you ask me right now who I expect to see in some Filipino backyard brawl fighting the national champion of the country, Joe Schilling is my number one through four guess. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's uh, uh, good one. Then I'll definitely thank all the Filipino fans. <laughs> uh, here's another one that I was kind of intrigued by, and I really wanted to get your thoughts on it. It was uh, from Happy 10th Planet on our Instagram. It is Hicks and Gracie by Rear Naked Choke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Uh, well, that's not bad. Team action. Yeah, I didn't know that's a possibility in boxing. I haven't checked their latest rule sets, but it doesn't uh, take if he could. Um, I'll say this. Um, 
somebody put a real one. This is from Legend Bound 10. I think Pacquiao's going to win by decision because he has the endurance to stay in all 12 rounds against Mayweather along with his stunning speed. Nothing like what Floyd has dealt with before. Uh, also, in a southpaw stance, he'll be able to land more punches and avoid Mayweather's shoulder defense. Your thoughts? Uh, I think he's partially right. I think that, uh, that's what I was saying, Mayweather, uh, I think Pacquiao, because of being in softball and just his speed and his style of fighting, is going uh, to kind of be harder for Floyd to use his shoulder rolls, which he's so good at. But um, so I think he will, Pacquiao will definitely land more punches on uh, Mayweather than anybody else, I think. And, um, but I just think it's, I think that uh, it's going to be really hard for Pacquiao to win a decision in Nevada against yeah, Floyd. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Every judge is going to go for him on any close round. You know, it's funny, when y'all watch Mayweather fights, you hear the expression, like, you have to beat the champion or whatnot, like, you have yeah. to beat the champion. But, like, when we watch it, we're not watching it. We're hoping he gets hit, you know. We're counting every time that, that uh, he gets hit or whatever. But the judges are, like... He's the only fighter I've ever seen where the judges really score all the punches that Floyd makes them miss. You know, it's like a really weird system. But you know, the judges are there's been fights that have been way closer than than the scorecard shows because everyone's so impressed and so kinda of hung up on Mayweather. So I think it's gonna be nearly impossible for Pacquiao to win a decision unless he gets multiple knockdowns or, or something. That makes sense. Uh, we got two more. I'll read this one real quick. Uh, it's saying how uh, Manny's game is built on speed and volume. No one will throw more than Manny. So if Money's legs are slower, that favors Manny. Uh, I feel that if Money <laughs> bulks up, which he has, that he could furt him as far as speed. Uh, bringing back Justin Fortune to his camp last year returned some of Manny's old speed, which has been surprising at the age of 35, 36. Um, do you kind of see that as age a factor at all? Or... You know, do you feel like somebody's going to be just a little bit off? How many times can people say money versus Manny in the same sentence, by the way? That was yeah. impressive. I don't know how you got through that. <laughs> uh, I don't think the age really makes that big a difference with these guys. I mean, you're talking about a shit ton of money going into their training camps and them doing everything right and them training for this fight for a really long time. I don't think that that was it. Those are two, like, premier athletes. I don't think the age is going to be that big of a factor. Um, mm. I think Mayweather, or I think Pacquiao's game is, that guy seems to underrate uh, Pacquiao's power, you know. His speed is his power, but, like, Pacquiao hits you with shots. I mean, if you watch, there was, like, a um, a meme that somebody posted. I think I actually posted it, too, when the fight got announced. It showed all of Mayweather's opponents' faces after their fight, and then it showed mm. the same opponents, pretty much the same <laughs> opponents after Pacquiao. All of their faces were just, like, wrecked. Like, all of them were wrecked. Mm. And, uh, That's I think awesome. That, uh, I don't think we've seen anybody with that speed and that much power hit or be able to hit um, Mayweather. I think that uh, I think Manny's power is going to be the biggest, the biggest asset. I think in this one, Rather it works. Saw, um, I'm excited for this one. His last fight, he got caught. He got caught once with like overhand right. I think it was like the second round, and it was right at the end. You could tell like it hurt him. And I think that as excited as we got seeing him get hurt with that one shot, or even with. Uh, uh, Mosley dropped him with the overhand right, remember, years back? Yep. And um, yep. they never threw it again after that for their whole rest of the fight. But I think that there's going to be a lot more flashes of that, those moments where Pacquiao lands a good shot on Mayweather, and we'll see how Mayweather reacts to it. I think he's going to get hit hard, and he's going to hit a lot more than he's used to. Good call. But at the same time, I think that his level of defense and his level of, you know, 
Mayweather's not a guy that's going to get hit hard two or three or ten times and it's going to fall apart. You know, he's he's uh, he's really, really good at what he does. You know, so it's I an like interesting it. fight. Yeah, definitely. You know, and our thanks to Jessica Germano for that one. Our last one, and, uh, you know, just really dig deep for how you're going to answer this one, okay? okay? This last one comes from the real Mike Hoffer, and it says, John Jones by hit and run. Hashtag too soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, you've you've Wait, tickled uh, Joe Schilling's this funny bone. Yeah, I was like, that wins. That wins. Joe Schilling laughed. A winner. A winner. We have a winner. winner. Uh, good job, Mike. Uh, well, you know, tell us this, uh, Joe. What's coming up next for you? What can we expect to see? Because I've been hearing you do in interviews and, and start talking about that you want to be kind of this uh, tri-brand athlete. So it... it who knows where the shit you could be appearing next? So tell us what's going on. Uh, what's coming up? Um, yeah, I think uh, you know, I think that three sport athlete thing is actually going to come into fruition here, probably by the end of the year, early next wow. year. I think I'll probably get a fight with uh, PBC, uh, which would be fantastic. Uh, I believe my next fight is in June uh, for Bellator. Uh, I mean, that's what that's the target anyway. You know, I don't know if it's been announced or whatnot, but um, okay. I'm expecting to be in a Bellator cage next, and it'll be in June. Okay. And I don't have an opponent, uh, yeah. Okay. So, but I'm going to be going to, uh, I'm going to Florida, American top team. I'll be sparring with, uh, Thiago Alves for his fight coming up with Carlos Condit. Um, I'll leave, uh, next week. I'll be there in the month of May. So, uh, should be getting a lot of really good training in with, uh, American top team and those guys. We're going to my buddy King Mo and my wrestling and, you know, really getting ready to stop these hugging matches from happening and, uh, you know, never having to spend another 10 minutes on an interview explaining why the guy hugged me for three rounds and how we all thought I won. <laughs> well, you know, we hope that's the case, too, that we could talk with you more about these exciting knockouts that you consistently seem to have come up with. I did have another question just in terms of, you know, when you are being the well-rounded machine that you are, uh, do you get those people who, when you get to do kind of uh, kickboxing training with them, that everybody kind of goes, yeah, I'm going to sit this one out. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. They skip uh, you in the rounds. Oh, no. Um, you know, uh, like within Tiago, you mean? What do you mean? I'm just saying when you're at training camps and, you know, you're doing all different sorts of training and everybody specializes, you got your wrestling guy, you got your jiu-jitsu guy. And then when they get around to kickboxing, if everybody looks around at you and goes, "Yeah, you know what? Oh, yeah, I'm a little. I'm gonna take this round off. Do you mind?" Uh, um, no, actually, I think a lot of a lot more people want to want to spar with me. It seems to be uh, when I go to a gym to spar with one guy, it seems like there's only like four or five other guys there that oh, you know, can I get around here and there and you know want to work with me too? It's a uh, well, pretty pretty good uh, at working with people and not not uh, hurting people except for like my paid sparring partners like, I, I fuck those guys up for sure <laughs> like, but it's uh, just fun like when we're just training for fun you know I like to teach uh, you know I uh, really enjoy the sport of kickboxing I've been doing it for a long time so you know I like helping out other people and uh, teaching so most people enjoy training with me except for the guys that pay those guys that you know, they're getting paid so well <laughs> At Joe Schilling 187, if you piss him off on that Twitter handle, maybe you'll get drunk and uh, lay into you, which, frankly, I yeah, might start doing on a regular basis. You never know. Uh, Joe, thanks so much. We love watching you fight. Can't wait to see you in the next wherever you choose to take that fight. Could still happen in a Filipino yard, so everyone needs to keep their eyes open. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Joe Schilling. Thanks for having me, guys. Always a good time. Uh... That's it. Appreciate it.
are going to talk about UFC 186 because Raph assures me we have to. We have brought back the man that hit one of the nicest parlays I've seen published on Facebook in a while. Dan Hubler, Dan, that parlay, you said you didn't get a chance to watch the fights. How closely were you paying attention to that parlay hitting? Um, I wasn't paying that much attention. I was pretty confident about this one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, don't worry. Dan, we're gonna you're never going to get a 30 for 30 quickly. at this rate. Like, you are never going to get a 30 for 30. We've got to work on a more genuine, like, we need to build tension. Be like, oh, I was watching Twitter, and at, like, the 11th hour it hit. I cried. Everyone at the party cried. I threw a glass of champagne out the window. That's what I need. Yeah, I'm not sure I can do that for you. Um, okay. I was at the Show Your Roll art show, which was really, really cool. <laughs> and I, actually, I, I actually completely forgot that the fights were going on until, like, I think, 11 o'clock at night. I got back to the hotel. I was like, oh, I think I want the money. Let me go check. And uh, that's how I did. Well, good news. You're not the only one who forgot fights were happening. This you, I also kind of forgot. I did not forget. I just had better things to do. And we'll talk a little bit about this as we go on. You also uh, had one of the funniest memes. That guy alone in the bleachers, <laughs> like just waiting for UFC 186. Well, this is going to bring us to our discussion points. Um, but before we go on to those things, uh, let's talk about how over under Kevin normally works. Normally, we wait till the end to kind of reveal who won. Uh, but Dan just decided he wanted to kind of jump on. And uh, get a head start and uh, kind of break his own news by posting that photo of that parlay. It was a six-win parlay for him. So, Dan, do you think that was enough to beat Kevin? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, think, okay. I think a three-fight parlay would have been enough to beat Kevin. That okay. is not – well, I think it would have required a four, but we would have tied three if I'm not wrong. I'll have to look. Now, here's what happened. Um, we ended up getting – Let's talk about who predicted the finishes, Raph. Talk about that. Here's the thing: there were Kevin had five correct picks, nine out of twelve. Now, Dan, that was part of the parlay that you made. So instead of focusing on the ones that you got right, we're just going to talk about the ones you didn't have the foresight to see. So let's bring up the fights that you totally got wrong, which. I believe you were saying that Jessica Rosnowski was in no way going to lose this fight against Valerie Lamarchand, um, which didn't end up being the case. Yeah, I mean, sucks, but <laughs> I, I, knew if it went to the, I knew if it went to the ground, you know, like, she, she'd be a little bit of a disadvantage, but, uh, I mean, I, th- I think uh, her age actually had a big, pretty big factor into it, but, I mean, anytime you've been an underdog, you kind of go into it knowing that it might not happen. Wow. Okay. Well, it's nice to know that you're able to justify whatever uh, bets you still ended up getting wrong. But uh, the other one that was kind of interesting is maybe you just had a a blind side to getting women's MMA right because you also screwed up the Alexis Davis and the Sarah Kaufman fight. I called the Marcos fight. Okay. Well, it's two thirds, which is enough as a passing grade here. Yeah, but, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll admit I got the Alexis Davis-Sarah Kaufman fight wrong, but, I mean, based on the last two fights where Kaufman beat her, and then the, the first round of that fight, Kaufman beat the shit out of her. I don't know if you saw the face, her face at the uh, at post-fight interviews, but Kaufman beat the shit out of her in the first round, and uh, she, she shook off, like, one triangle attempt and then finally got armbarred in the second round, but, like, she was still winning that fight. It was, she got sloppy. Now, Dan, when we talk about, uh, you know, giving credit to oneself, as you seem to be doing so nicely, 
Um, is there any kind of regret in the fact that I was trying to push you to the right choices when we were doing this conversation a week ago? Oh, I, I, no matter what I choose, um, sometimes I bet both. I mean, I even, I made a parlay of, of some of Kevin's picks just in case he just happened to be right. Like, oh, oh my God, that would suck for me, but <laughs> like, I'd still at least like comfort myself with my money, you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's some kind of like, I oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's and I believe the analysis that Alex Alexis Davis learned two hundred percent of the ways not to lose. I think that's what happened. Though, yeah, the shit beat out of her for the first round and a half. She looked a little busted at the post fight presser. Yeah. So, Kevin, what did you learn from this experience, especially not seeing any of the fights? Uh, I learned it's possible for a UFC card to come and go, and me to not even take a moment to give a shit. This was probably the first one. Came, went, had a brief moment where I was like, oh, Rampage is not, Rampage isn't in court. Great. And that was it. Moved about my deck. Now, Kevin, this was interesting. You were actually beating Dan in the prelims. Yeah, I know uh, that. Especially the fight past prelims. Uh, Is there maybe the niche that you are carving out for yourself that maybe you're just not a main eventer? First of all, fuck everyone. Fuck the haters. Nordine Tlaib won on decision. That decision was best abs. Okay. That's what I said was going to happen. That's what happened. So I do think there's a lesson to be taken here. The best abs holds true. Okay. Um, I don't know that that's true. But Dan also should be commended because Dan was making some several side bets. Um, yeah. And both of those came true. His side parlays that he was putting out was that we would see a Dan LaPreeze, I'm sorry, Chad LaPreeze fight go to decision over Barbarena. And uh, that did. And then on the other side, we had the submission. He said that there was going to be one place to see it, and that actually came true as well. Dan, your thoughts? Um, I don't know what else to say. Like, I, I kind of those two fights kind of went exactly how I saw them going. Um, I think uh, Oliver's finished like six fights in a row by submission now, so like he's on a tear and he's, he's really great on the ground. So yeah. that wasn't that, that very, very hard to predict that. And I think they've all been my rear naked choke too. So he's kind of like a one trick pony. Like, uh, who's that fighter not oh long ago who was, who was beating everyone with, uh, with triangle chokes? What was his name? You remember? He won, like, five in a row by triangle choke. No. It's I don't escaping me right now. Name. But uh, in case you are uh, wondering or just listening to the podcast now, just jumping in randomly, uh, Dan has referred to Ronda Rousey as a one-trick pony. Uh, <laughs> his words, not I ours. She got a TKO. Yes, I'm sure. If we had talked with you before she got that TKO, it would have been Ronda Rousey's a joke. She's a one-trick pony. I know because I bet on it consistently. Uh, Dan, was there anything even on the the picks that you got right that surprised you from this evening? Um, I'm surprised that Joe Riggs made it to the third round. That was true. He did. And Rampage <laughs> didn't have an injunction stopping him from uh, making it all the way to the cage. Did not uh, okay. get finished. No, he did not. Um, guys, there's a couple I questions I want to put up. Yeah, it was, it was, that guy with the triangle record is all sass. He was doing the sass uh, thing that jokes for like five in a row. Well, I know that now What's I can that? go on on the podcast. Hey, Raph, come on. Yeah. This is the type of MMA history people just don't get. So yeah, I think you got you were, kicked out of the UFC for like making like too many really patriotic remarks or something. Or like uh, anti-Obama yeah. remarks. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's too patriotic for the UFC. So I do have a question, Dan. Parlaying it, 
is that a frequent strategy used with like, you, okay, how sure of you were on the ones you parlayed? Were you genuinely positive or do you throw two or three in the year like above 70% on? Um, the, the one I hit on, I was, I was 90% sure on. Okay. Uh, usually when I do parlays, I'll do like maybe like three or four different ones and I'll start with, you know, the five or so that I'm, I'm pretty, I'm like pretty positive on. And then I, I'll add one more that I'm a little bit, you know, unsure on. And then the next one, I'll add two more and so on. And then I'll, maybe I'll add an underdog that I think might have a shot just for the, just for the value bet. I like it. A little bit of win here, a little bit of win there. Michael Bisping said he's going to start working his way back into title contention. Do you see that happening? Would you bet on that? I guess. Let me ask that. Um, I, I would. What, how do you define contention? I mean, like, I oh, he said to fight for the belt. That's what he said. He said, no, fight for the belt. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're happy. Ever. Same question um, for Rampage Jackson, who called out everyone all the way up to John Jones. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Fascinating. Maybe. See, I think Rampage <laughs> is as retired as anyone. Though, well, I think Rampage, Rampage is at least a little bit more marketable, so there's a shot, you know? Oh, that's, well, yeah, that's a fair point. Much more marketable. He screamed and he said... Marketability. And he was great in the after... He was like, I don't think Fabio's human. I just kept hitting him and hitting him, and he wouldn't go down. It was a sterling rapport. Demetrius Johnson finishes the fight with one second left. I actually saw that fight. You did see that fight? I made an effort to actually watch that fight, yeah. Demetrius Johnson, obviously, um, was listening and heard me call him out and say I didn't think he was going to finish the fight. So despite me, waited until fucking 24 minutes and 59 seconds to get the tap. Which is is a record. uh, That leads us to a very interesting thing that I wanted to talk about, Kevin, which is uh, people were reportedly walking out in the middle of the fight with Demetrius Johnson. That's not very interesting. That's what should happen. No, I'm joking. Okay. (laughs) The reason why I bring this up is, as you know, there are a lot of people like Kevin who just uh, see people who are half of his size and go, "Eh, I don't like him. But. That is not at all. That is 100% what you do. So don't try and make any other words for it. He's like half of a size of you and you can eat him. So yes, you are being sizes. But uh, what I'm saying here is there's a part of the country that feels that way. There's a part that also feels he doesn't finish, but he's being dominant. And Dana's trying to make the argument that he's being just as dominant as other champions in their categories like Ronda and John Jones. And yet Demetrius doesn't get his due. So there's a couple strategies that we need to talk about here because the number one thing that seemed to comes up, and I'll I'll point this over to you, Dan, which is let's talk media strategies for the UFC. When Demetrius Johnson was asked if he cares if people don't watch his fights, he says, no, I don't fucking give a shit. Is that the best response? Um, I, I'm not sure that's the best response, but I also don't think anything he has to say is going to change whether or not people want to watch him fight. Why is I mean, that? like, he's knocked, he's knocked, he's dominated guys the entire fight, he's knocked guys out, he's, now he's doing beautiful transitional arm bars. Like, he, he's putting on a great show, he's a very exciting fighter. People just, for some odd reason, don't like to watch these, like, lower weight classes for some reason. Uh, I don't get it. 
Kevin, is part of it that the the roster is not quite as challenging to him, or is it still more of the same that people just don't give a shit about this weight category? No, I think you just said it. I think that's purely and solely it. He hasn't had the one, two through five contenders. Horio Horiguchi? No, I mean I'm not. <laughs> I swear I'm not trying to say that with like an inflammatory tone. Obviously, he was doing it amazingly. Doesn't so. have the name recognition that other divisions have. This division is still working its way in, much like the women's super light divisions. The fighters aren't there yet. The competition's not there yet. The rest of the organizations aren't there yet. It's a weight class that just doesn't get the recognition. In part, while they're super exciting, they beat the hell, what looks like they're beating the hell out of each other, and it seemingly has no impact. That can be a little, you know, exciting at times and super boring at others. And these fights do tend to go the distance. They just do. Unlike heavyweight fights that usually can end in the first three to four minutes, these fights don't ever. So that's my argument for, yeah, he's not going to be more popular until he has someone that can come up, fight him, that they can market. And to be just, obviously he knows Horiguchi is not that person. Well, then what's the fix? Dan, do you have one for this category? Is there anything that we can do? Is the possibility of a super fight for him? He fights Rampage. He fights Rampage. It's all done. Kevin, that wasn't your question. All right, Dan? I'd, I'd like to see him fight with Ruby again. I think their first two fights are great, the first one especially. Um, but the UFC just has to build up on the creepy again. Um, who's that? Who's the, the fat Muslim guy? You never make weight. What's his name? Yeah, maybe. Have we talked to Frankie Edgar? Is this a weight class possibility for him? Probably not. Fat, who's the fat Brazilian guy who always knocks people out, but he always misses weight also? That's his weight class. No clue. Well, I don't know that you can look up on Wikipedia <laughs> fat Brazilian who doesn't make weight. Weight knocks people out. He just fought Uncle Creepy. Uh, and he just beat Uncle Creepy. Oh. But he also missed weight by like 10 pounds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, well, now now you've got my, my interest peak. It's so. sort of my favorite storylines when that happens. <laughs> it's like, oh, I knocked the shit John out of it. It's John, John Lineker. Yes. Well, okay. I thought he was going to be a good fight for Demetrius Johnson, but I think Dana told him, like, you're not allowed to fight in this weight class anymore because you miss weight too much. Great, like if it's you know what they really need to do is they need to have more of these challengers who who speak fluent English because like these guys who are from Japan and Brazil, you like they're cool, like they're 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 great fighters, but they're not marketable, you know. Yeah, I do. Like Jose Aldo kind of has the same issue. Like he's a great fighter, he's top of his division, but like he's not that marketable just because he can't fucking talk to anybody. (laughs) And when he does, it lacks liveliness. He looked like. Uh, Tony from the good, no, damn it, the Miami one. The say hello to my, thank you, he looked like Tony Montana with his suit choices. This is terrible. Well, his nickname is Scarface. Yes. Oh, fuck, that makes sense now. It all came back around. Welcome to 1215, Kevin. Uh, I'm in Colorado and I want to address the elephant in the room, the mountains are beautiful. That's that's all I'm going to say. Good for you. Uh, the interesting thing is, so you, you get people walking out, you get Demetrius Johnson egging them on by saying, I don't give a fuck. Then on this other side, you get Dana White, who in the post presser says, I don't give a fucking shit if people leave when Demetrius Johnson fights. So is the UFC just blind to this in some way, Dan? No, he definitely, he definitely cares. I mean, like he's, he's Dana. He's not going to say that he, he cares, but at the same time, like, I don't, I don't think, I don't, 
I'm not so sure that people were walking out because they weren't impressed with this fight. I, they, it's kind of like if I'm at a basketball game and, you know, one team's up by like 30 points in the fourth, yeah. fourth, fourth period. Am I going to stay the whole time? Yeah, I'll probably leave. I'll probably beat the traffic and get out of there because I know what's going to happen. And did you know? people address the fact that it was Canadian fans, the most polite people <laughs> on this world, who are then they were being done. like, Ooh. They were just done. <laughs> oh, I think they we probably go. left really politely, though. Yes, they, you know? they cleaned they up around them. excuse me as they were getting up. They picked <laughs> up their beers. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what they were doing. Uh, they went to go do some good civilian work as they were walking around. Uh, any final thoughts here, uh, just on uh, this or any other things that happened from the card? I'll start off with you, Kevin. No. I was impressed by the after-fight presser because it was like Rampage and Bisping had taken the exact same course in arguing that they're not gatekeepers for the division. They were just like, no, I'm not that person. Don't make me that person. I loved that. That's all I got. Do you think that was part Dan's work of continuously referring to people on this card as gatekeepers? First of all, if Michael Bisping doesn't know he's the gatekeeper, he's the only one in the world that's not aware he's the person for that division. Him and Vitor Belfort have been like the two benchmarks forever for people to beat up. They took over for Forrest Griffin. Congratulations. He needs to know that. I mean, Forrest Griffin also yeah, it's won Dan's the title fun. as well, so I don't know. Oh, yeah, fair. And Vitor also has won. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, without steroids, not possible. All right. Uh, Dan, do you have any parting words of wisdom for Kevin? Because oh, fuck's he, sake. he seems to be on this trajectory of not winning. Success. Okay. Uh, yeah. You seem to do well in this. Yeah, I, I mentioned it last time, but uh, on these cards that get scrapped and, you, you, and they start scrambling and trying to put matches together. These are the ones where it's going to be a lot easier to make bets because oftentimes it's going to be mismatched. And if you look at if you look at the results, only one underdog won. Um, only one underdog won a fight. Every other fight was won by the favorite, and that's like there's a reason for that. They're putting these matches together at the last minute. A lot of people came in on like weeks notice, um, and they're not expected to win. No one expects them to win but it's putting on a fight, you know, and these are the ones you want to look for when you're making bets is, um, it's really easy to parlay is what I'm saying. Okay. So just have some common sense. Is Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kevin lacks that just as a witness Thanks. here. Thanks so, for the unactionable help. Dan. Um, I don't know that we, we can truly make a difference here. Um, any other tips in particular for UFC 187, considering the card might change? It's on the card. I don't even know when is it. It's it like every weekend. Now. I can't keep track. Yes, I know. It's a, it's a busy lifestyle with all the jiu-jitsu art shows you're going to. Um, that art show was awesome. I heard it was great. I'm not going to lie. You know what's sad is uh, somebody texted me and they asked if I was going. And I actually was uh, a friend in town uh, who we were going to one of their shows. And I texted him and I was like, no, but I hear it's great. And then I just started seeing photos of everybody so happy at that exhibit. So I was like, oh, that looks so cool. Yeah, it was very cool. Um the uh, I was there with Eric Medina, and oh. he, he uh, we walked to the back where they had this like kind of like live demonstration of of you get through, and they're swapping out people like every thirty minutes, having like a new group come on there and demonstrate some stuff, and like having these like ex- exhibition matches. And Eric gets one of the last, you know, limited edition geese, 
um, that they were selling there. And he walks back there with his gi and he finds Carrie. He's like, hey, what do I change? And then they just directed him back to the, to the back. I told him to stop, but, um, like he could have easily got in there. It was really cool. Oh, that's amazing. Well, leave it to Medina to find ways to worm into whatever nonsense and trouble there is. But that's We're talking awful. about the person that broke the first secret match. So yep, he, he enjoys doing that oh, shit. That's true. Famous that's for true. breaking the secret match here on this podcast. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I know. But, I mean, next month, theoretically, there is a fight between John Jones and... Uh, uh, yeah. There sure Robinson, is. And... You know, you were just telling Kevin to look out for those last-minute rematches and last-minute put-together card parts. So, what should he do? <laughs> uh, I would take the over/under on John Jones not fighting. I would, I would, I would bet on him not fighting if I had the good odds. Well, I'm at UFC.com right really, now. It's looking really bad right now. <laughs> you mean he's not going to be able to overcome a hit and run? Yeah, and a pregnant woman too. It's like, what's the, like biggest PR headache for Dana White right now? Like, okay, the coke thing happened, and they kind of like got over it, but now, now he just fucking crashed into a pregnant woman inside the scene, with, running around with like pile of cash in his hand. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Painter is the biggest dick of all time, you know. It's it's a little evil villain esque, uh, definitely. Uh, but I hope that in later future tellings of this story that it just keeps getting exaggerated. Like she was a pregnant woman on the way to a soup kitchen to feed the children. 34 kids were in the car. 34. Several were in the trunk. She was donating things that would change their lives. Like that kind of thing. I can't believe he got out on only $12,000 bond. That's ridiculous. Uh, was it 12,000? I thought I heard it was 25. Uh, I thought it was twelve. I thought it was twenty five hundred. Sure. Yeah, it's all it's all peanuts to him. Well, I, <laughs> it's all peanuts to him indeed. Uh, although enough, yeah, he, probably, he, he, already, he put that much up in his nose before he crashed into it. I was about to say, I was like, you know what? That's probably the money he just grabbed in there. So I'm pretty sure he yeah. made bail with whatever money he grabbed from the interior of the car. You uh, know what sucks too? That like that card outside of even outside of the Jones Johnson is an amazing card. Yes. So hopefully the UFC will be able to uh, come back strong. Dan, uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug? What's going on with Nawaza this week? What's going on with Dream this week? Dream has something, right? Yeah, Nawaza is a big week for both of both companies. Uh, Nawaza's new line is dropping this Friday. Um, everything's pretty much, we just added the quantities to the store today, so we're good to go. Awesome. Um, you have to have that special code to access the sale on Friday, which I shared on the last podcast, but it's a grounded with no space. Um, if you don't have the code, you're going to have to wait until Saturday. But by then, some of the, the, the stat sets might be sold out. With Too late, fools. Camouflage. Yeah, those, those ones might go quick. So uh, Friday the 1st is when you really want to get to it. Um, but if you can wait till Sunday... Uh, the Dream Tournament, we're going to have a booth set up there also um, so you can save money on shipping and actually check out the state of stuff before you buy it. And that Dream event, I just checked and we're at almost 400 competitors. The <laughs> um, station actually closed on Friday, um, but I'm still looking for specific divisions um, just to give people more matches. We had a couple where there's only one person in the division and rather than 
uh, move them up. I'm, I'm reaching out to the gym owners I know and trying to find people uh, to match them up with just so uh, they don't have to move. Um, so we might end up close, pretty close to 400 by the time I'm done here. But yeah, it's going to be a, a full day uh, with the Wiki tournament. Should be pretty exciting. We have some, we have like like 15 black belts signed up or something like that. Like it's going to be pretty cool. It's, it's actually kind of amazing. Like sometimes like sometimes I like I, I have to slap myself because it's like a, a year ago black belts want to compete for dream. You know, like it's yeah. it's crazy. Like these people sign up and they want to compete for dream now. And, Sometimes I want to ask them, like you know, you know, like you know who we are, right? This is in the federation, you know. But, but like people are coming out, and people are really supporting, and it's awesome. Well, I think that maybe you don't need to slap yourself. Like, I think the jig is up that you all run good tournaments. Yeah, it's just the and yeah. that is the simple math. I think running a tournament, people will show up. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest factors is we run on time, like almost every single tournament. They really do. Tournament, it's, it's actually really impressive. Late on. Yeah, it has a lot to do with like the detailed scheduling, like figuring out how many you know how many minutes is the average match going to last, and kind of working in our way into like how many people. And uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into it, and obviously it, it pays off. Well, definitely. And if you guys see Dan, he'll be running around. But if you get a moment, corner him somewhere and say, "Dan, I heard you on the Verbal Tap podcast when you beat Kevin. Never had any doubt. You fucker. I agree. They should say that, Raf. Nice job." With the you fucker part at the end. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, Dan, thank you so much for stopping back in, my man. Uh, it's great talking with you. It's, it's really good uh, going over all of these fight picks. I'm glad you schooled Kevin. Again, never had any doubt. Uh, I hope yeah. you enjoyed your time here. And what was the, the terms of the bet that Kevin has to do for you now? I think he's exclusive to Dream Jiu-Jitsu as far as like, the fights go. I'm for sure going to issue a public release declaring that that is my, uh, I'm intended that I'm with y'all. Yeah. I, I'm, I can offer you like $200,000 in pretend money for that. <laughs> pretend money is the best. It's the same as Metamorous 140 K that they offer, but eh, that's yeah. neither here nor there. We'll talk about an exclusivity contract. Uh, obviously I'll make my demands and you know, then the ball's in their court. Yep. Look for his response via meme, Dan. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Dan, thank you for swinging by, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Raph, that was downright fun. Obviously, yes. sucks. We lost. We're losing John Jones for a little while, but it sucks. Well, remains Just to be seen. He needs to figure some stuff out. We should lose John Jones. Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I'm talking in a hypothetical state where they take him off the card. But what do I? Know? Right. I can't believe he's still on the card. I love that. Uh, then we got to talk to Joe Schilling, who's as feisty as ever. Yeah. He's got it rolling. Oh, I love. Man. Yeah. No. He's. You know. He just came back from vacation, but uh, the vacation. It didn't take it out of him. That feistiness is still there. He just called it right back up, man. He doesn't seem like someone that puts everything down on vacation. I think I'm. I don't think I'm stepping out on a ledge to say that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I saw Joe Schilling put up like a video on Instagram of somebody covering like Sublime or, or some happy song, and it was just like all I could think of was that's Joe Schilling chilling out, and he's that's happy. Him. Yeah, there he is. Good for him. Go, Joe. Uh, that's funny. 
Then, of course, we talked to Dan, who will be headed to Cozumel soon on his winnings. That's amazing, by the way. Dream Jiu-Jitsu is getting so huge. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's, that's so cool. Yeah, and not a surprise. They do really, really good tournaments and good people. Spokane. Uh, except for the people who run it. Yeah, obviously, Megami and Hubbler, you know. Terrible people. Don't like either of them. But, nope. you know, one plus one equals successful tournament, whatever. That's going to bring us to shout-outs. Raph, I'm starting early and often with the great state of Colorado. <laughs> uh, just a lot of fresh air up here, and it's amazing. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. It's great. I did a comedy show last Friday called Bare Naked Comedy. Talked a little bit about, uh, you know, gave the podcast a little bump. Always fun. So I'm sure that entire burlesque crowd is listening to the podcast. So to them, hello. Fun show. And yeah, to you MMA fans, I do comedy at places where there's a lot of nudity because uh, that's the only places I'm funny. Is it you being nude? Because I feel that would hinder the comedy. Or maybe it would help the comedy. I don't know. I'm 50-50 on it, too. I am for sure did not get naked. I did get the weirdest few comments I've ever got, but I did not get naked. Um, There was at a point they did have to explain to someone, no touching the comedians. No touching. (laughs) She had a hold of my arm. She was just like, you're so funny. And the producer was like, you are not allowed to touch them. That's number one. Wow. Uh, no touching anyone. Anyway. No touching. You have to. <laughs> what is he, a piece of meat, people? <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Uh, got to get some good training in Saturday. Mm-hmm. Had a ton of people on the mats, which is, you know, got to work a lot of the good deep half guard stuff that we've been throwing around. Loving it. Big thanks to our friend Jen Perez and Travis T. Money Conley. Both people know about Denver, Colorado, and I hit them up this weekend about places to train, and they each just raffled off like four spots and times and gi, no gi. Uh, so that was really sweet of them. That's the nice thing about uh, the jiu-jitsu world. They're just so quick. It's good. <laughs> so I just gave you more people than I could possibly train with in three days. <laughs> like seven people. I was like, awesome. Thank you. They've got tons of options. And to Travis, of course, he's like, what do you mean? Aren't you just going to be training back to back to back for four days straight? <laughs> That's going to do it for me, Raph. Except, of course, my favorites, BJJ Finder. And Datsusara. That's right. I'm calling it my favorites this week because that's what I use. My Datsusara bag takes me everywhere I need to go. Yeah. DJ Finder helps me get there. Wow. Jiu Jitsu. Good job, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Are you going to say it again? No, I'm done. Okay. Uh, guys, I want to shout out Valley Martial Arts Center. Feedback. <laughs> Uh, big shout out to our instructor Hassan for the afternoon classes. Uh, Hassan's man, he's the funniest, just real breezy, good stuff. Invited me, uh, to a really cool party of his that I actually can't attend, but put the best flyer I've ever seen for inviting for a a party that I've (laughs) just, it's like him and his wife inviting you to their party. And it's just like a random get together kind of thing. And I looked at it and I go, this is the best flyer of all time. It shows them versus each other, but, uh, man, it's so funny. So, uh, Hassan, always, always great instruction over at Valley martial arts center. 
Uh, I want to thank him for helping me out this week. Great techniques. Uh, our thanks over to John Evans at uh, Breakdown Academy for all of his great work. Um, there's tons of people to shout out. I don't know that I'm remembering them all. I want to shout out my family for being so great. It was great seeing everybody this weekend. Uh, we get to catch up on everything post-wedding because I haven't seen them. We just usurped everybody's birthdays with the wedding. So this was basically catching up on like five people's weddings or birthdays. And on the cake, it had five people's names. And that's, that's when you know. Adorable. You feel a little guilty when you realize that you're the reason behind people missing all of those birthdays for the past few months. Um, but it was great seeing everybody. I also want to shout out uh, our good friend Andrew Kula, who came into town and had a great show. It was amazing. It was very funny. Uh, got to meet some good people there. Uh, Amanda and Charlie are good friends who came with us to come see the show. Uh, really, really fun stuff. So my thanks to everybody, and uh, that'll do it for me, I think, this week. Then that'll do it for us here tonight. Verbal Tap Cast. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. Let's just take a moment. Think about John Jones running hysterically through a New Mexico neighborhood. Okay. Done. <laughs>